Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down and have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about, kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon or a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. Today, I'd like to invite you to listen to a conversation I had with my friend Bill Atkins. Bill and his wife Linda have a wonderful story about how they chose to help a young single mom and her four-year-old daughter. That was nearly 15 years ago, and both mother and daughter are still an important part of their life. Not only is this story worth sharing in its own right, but it led to a great conversation about how Christians can think outside the box when helping people in our community. I hope this story encourages and inspires you as much as it did me. As we look at what's happening in most churches, and even with homes that don't go to church, this is a time of year when people begin to think, what can I do? And contributions go up to Salvation Army, they go up to all the different charities, because people are in a giving mood. And a lot of times it's writing a check. (laughs) And um, my thoughts were to share a little bit about a situation that we got involved with and how it influenced our lives and other lives and how rewarding it was to us, both my wife and I, in terms of uh, doing something different for people. And it actually started because like the church we were going to at that time actually had a little tree in the foyer with a hanging ornament with a child's name on it, their age, sizes, and toys that they might want. And people were taking those to go buy for. We chose one. As we were buying, we began to think, you know, (laughs) these people probably need something the rest of the year, not just at this time of year. So that got us into thinking about a, uh, a plan of action for something. And we said, you know, what if we just did go and find somebody and more or less adopt them into our family and share with them some things that we'd like to do. Now, the kind of the background is we are empty nesters. Our kids are married, have grandchildren, or have children that are our grandchildren. So we thought, well, what do we want to do? But we set a plan, and we, we decided on some criteria. And one was we wanted to help a single mom with a child. And we kind of said we would prefer to have a child about the age of our grandson, which at that time was four. And then we set up some parameters and uh, went to talk to someone at an agency. And we told them what we wanted to do. We said we would like to have a single mom with a child about our grandson's age. We were not going to be a money bank. We're not going to give money to them. 
but we would like to do some things for them and we'd like to be there for them kind of as uh, adoptive grandparents and uh, kind of laid that out and because of the privacy issues they said we can't give you any names but we can certainly have someone call you if i could interrupt sure. for just a second i i'm, I'm curious and the first time you told me the story, and I was thinking about it, I became more curious. What kind of an agency, you don't have to be specific if you can't, but what kind of an agency uh, did you approach? Uh, it's It's been about 15 years ago, yeah. but it was uh, kind of the Collin County Advocacy Group. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and I know now they there is one there called uh, uh, Collin County Assistive use or something of that nature so it's a government agency or at that time yes that's the way we went okay good good okay and um so that gave us a chance to set up an appointment when the the lady called and we met it on the border (laughs) and we took a little gift for the child and gift for the mom and we just visited and we just talked and found out in their background the Husband was in jail, mm-hmm. uh, was a drug user and, you know, uh, abusive. Yeah. And so uh, we, after visiting for about an hour, we said, well, we'd like to do something. And so we started with something very conservative. We said, we'd like to take your daughter to buy school supplies. So that was our first yeah. attempt at something, which gave us a chance to get to know them a little better and also uh, do something, you know. So that's kind of the way the whole thing started. Yeah. So when you when when the agency contacted the mom, what sort of thing did they tell her that y'all were interested in? Do you know? I mean, do you know what how that conversation sort of went? They they echoed what I had told them. Yeah. Uh, they knew that, the, that this mom had a daughter about the age of our grandchild because I'd said four. Gotcha. They uh, knew that we told them that we would not be just writing checks sure. but would be there to help. And pretty much that was all they knew. Huh. So they knew that they were meeting a couple that were roughly the age of like the mother's parents, right? And and that y'all wanted to build a relationship with them and and do something more than just a one-time holiday gift sort of thing. Yes, although we did, um, we left it open, yeah, enough each time so that if. That was a termination point for some reason. Yeah. We could step out in a good way and sure. not create any hard feeling. Yeah. Because I think that that would cause some people some apprehension about going into a relationship like that. Like, what am I on the hook for going forward? And what if this doesn't work out? And what if, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not comfortable going forward or whatever. So. And we had talked about that in our planning. I think the planning is important before sure. doing it. But we said, what if we meet them and we just don't think there's a fit? Yeah. And we'd just say, we just wanted to give you these gifts and have treat you to dinner, and we appreciate you coming, and we like it very much. Yeah, good, good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so what happened after after that okay. initial? So, so you told her, we want to we wanna buy. So that was even at dinner, you said, we want to buy 
uh, right. school supplies for y'all. Yes. Okay. And s- clothes and school supplies. So at that point, it was really nothing more than taking the angel off the tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at a Christmas time. Sure. And um, there were several things that that happened that we would call and say things like, at that time, we had a swimming pool that, you know, our grandson's coming over. Would you like to come and swim? You know, and and different things of that nature. And so because it's a relationship that grew to be over 14 years, I can't go into everything that happened, but it was uh, a cautious approach. Uh, not getting too far ahead with commitments, uh, at times being a little firm to the commitments, uh, at times being somewhat sneaky because <laughs> uh, we had said we wouldn't be financially involved, and, it, and we did for a while. Uh, we actually wrote a check to the church, and they gave assistance to them. And that kept us aloof sure, from sure. it. And then we uh, began to do other things that got us just drawn closer and closer together. Inviting them over for dinner, inviting them to go a movie, whatever it was that we thought, you know, let's call them. Yeah. And let's uh, see what they want to do this weekend or whatever. And that really seems to me to change the nature of charity, benevolence, however you want to put that, it, it sort of changes it when you not only have a name and you're buying something, you know, when you take an angel off the tree and you buy something for somebody, it's great. And, I, and that's a tremendous thing to do, but it's just a name at that point. But when you actually meet with people and you build a relationship, it changes the nature of it, I would think, not only for the person giving, but also for the person receiving, that it's not just an organization or a charity or whatever. It's these are actual people that I love and I've come to know. So that I I just I love that story of not only what you did initially, but how it grew and how that relationship still is there. Yes. As as a matter of fact, uh kind of summarizing the fourteen years, um there was a period of time uh uh, they really did have some financial problems, even worse than they had at the time. And uh, they basically were homeless. Mm-hmm. And the mother called us and said, uh, would you take the daughter? And uh, I'm staying with a friend. And we said, sure. And so we uh, brought her into our home to a guest room and set it up for her. And uh, we were the oldest parents at PTA meetings, so to speak, when we go to school meetings. Uh, we were, uh, took her to school, um, played that role while she was with us. Uh, later, her mom had some issues, and, and she moved in with us also. And so that lasted about a year and a half that they were with us together. Uh, it got to be that... Um, to make it convenient to introduce her when we were out by ourselves, we'd say, this is our goddaughter. Yeah. And we had cleared that with both the mother and her first, yeah. if we could do that. Uh, interaction with our home team. She would go with us sometimes to home team meetings. Uh, which is like your small group. Which is a small group. Yeah. And uh, so she got to know them and kind of 
follow on to that is when we she was ready to go to college um the whole home team came and gave her gifts and things for the for her college so she had a broad background of some things that uh if you can imagine the struggle someone like that would go through uh you can't have friends over because if they're living in a hotel room how do you have them come over and what would parents do as they drop them off as she got into teen years you can't really date because you don't tell the boy well come and pick us up at this hotel so they they were fairly isolated from that although she did was an excellent student at school and we worked with her a lot preparing her for the applying for scholarships and things, and she actually ended up with a full scholarship to go to college. That is awesome. And uh, so that was rewarding to us and to her mom that through all of these things that she had had to endure, that she still concentrated on that schoolwork. It was the only thing she could control in her life. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So when you approach me about, and you shared this story with me, I guess that that brings up the next question of, of what, what's, why do you feel compelled to share this story with other people and want them to know how this sort of unfolded and how it's been a blessing to you and, and how it blessed them? Well, I think uh, in reflection of how it has blessed us, and then when we started at McDermott Road with the uh, pulling the thing off the tree to uh, take to southern Texas and everything and picking all that up we were stirred a little bit more and even before that we thought you know people really know there's a good side to this it's not just being afraid right and uh, so our hope is that it would motivate some people, particularly empty nesters that are retired and say, you know, well, we just don't have anything to do or something. Uh, um, the other thing is that it is a program completely under the person or the couple's control mm-hmm. because uh, it's not a church program. It's not a civic program. It's something that you've just selected somebody mm-hmm. to work with in whatever way you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, you control the parameters. You control uh, what you will do and won't do. And you just have a chance to touch so many lives. And uh, who knows where they would be. As somebody in our home team said recently, they said, you know, where would they have been without you? And that was one of the first things that really made me think, well, maybe it would be good for others to think, you know, maybe we could do that. Uh, time element, uh, we still had our grandkids first. If we needed to do something with them, we still had uh, family events first. We kept uh, things we were doing with the church first. And so everything worked around our priorities, uh, but they didn't have a lot of priorities. Mm-hmm. So they had more flex time than we did. Yeah. And we just tried to fill as much of it as we could. That's so awesome. And I think that that so many times we we sort of put our giving or our volunteering or whatever in a, in a box that we we might respond to an opportunity that someone presents to us and says, "Hey, you know, we need volunteers or we need money or we need whatever," and and we do our best to to fill those. But oftentimes, I think 
people need a push in the right direction to think outside of the box and to think, okay, what what other things could I do? So when I heard this story, it made me think, well, there may be somebody that wants to do exactly that. And then it may just get people's wheels turning to think, oh, well, I, I can't necessarily do that or I don't want to do that or whatever. Although I think that this is a a, a great opportunity for people that are in that sort of similar life stage. But I think about, you know, my family with young kids and our, our life stage is just different, but it gets my wheels turning. And I think, well, what, what could we do as a family to sort of, like you said, take control of it and sort of set the parameters and the boundaries of, well, we could do this. My wife, just as another example, uh, her father was in the hospital this last year and uh, he had a brain aneurysm. And so we were in ICU for several weeks and, and we just really realized what a blessing it is to have people do little bitty things for you when you're in, in ICU. And so her and her sister and her mother, they, they put together some care packages at Thanksgiving and we took them up to a different hospital. Uh, but we, we went up to the ICU and we found people that were waiting in the waiting room and we just gave them this, these little care packages. And then we went down to the ER and found some families down there and gave them these care packages. And it was something that it was so much different than doing a service project or a charity project with the church or with an organization, because it was just, it was we set it up and it was just organic. Maybe that's the best word for it. And and that's what reminds me about this story is that it's an organic way of of helping people and loving people and building relationships with people. And, uh, and so I love that you're sharing that story because I think it will inspire other people to do this or something similar. Well, I think you've hit on a good point. Reaching out can be any degree. It doesn't have to be as committed as we became. Yeah. We didn't have that intention at first. But, for example, uh, I worked with a gentleman one time, and our department was talking about Christmas gifts. And he said, what would you get your kids? He said, well, we never buy our kids Christmas gifts. He said, we get gifts, we package them, we wrap them, and we go downtown Dallas and we distribute them. Wow. And that's our Christmas every day, every Christmas. Wow. And that is one way to do it. Another way is uh, if you've had people in uh, aged care homes or whatever, uh, a lot of people don't have visitors. Uh, going and taking a platter of cookies, going and talking to them a little while, that could be a, a, an offshoot of the same thought process. Um, various things like that that could, could be done. Uh, I think uh, from our perspective, looking at it as getting more involved, uh, you know, I think you can look at information from uh, the church. Mm -hmm. uh, are there families or is there someone here that I could really help? Mm -hmm. And I say, I understand the privacy, but we're willing to help if they would let us know. Yeah. Uh, or to go to some organization like we did or to just – the neighborhood might be somebody that you notice, you know, uh, some things that could be helped. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any cookie cutter way to right. do this program. And that's one of the things I think that's attractive to others is to say, well, yeah, I don't like the way they did it. Mm -hmm. I don't want the kids around here all the time or something, <laughs> right. but that's okay. Yeah, There might be something that could fit particular circumstances. Yeah. I know that there are people here that they may not know a specific family at McDermott Road or associated with McDermott Road that 
that needs something. And so they'll write a check to our benevolence guys and they'll say, just put this aside and when something comes up, you take care of it. You know, and and I just I love people taking, I guess the the key word for me that resonates about your story and those other stories is initiative. And just taking the initiative to to say, I wanna I want to do something special and and I want to do it, you know, this way. So I guess that brings up the question of, you know, if if we're talking about taking initiative and 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 jumping in and doing something, where where should people start if they if they want to do something similar to this? Well, I think they start by saying, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to do something with kids, with certain uh, issues that people have had or what? And then I think it's it's just really setting a plan with parameters to say this is how we want to control the situation. And then I think it is taking the initiative to go and say, here's what we want to do. Uh, too many times, I think we, we wait for an organization to do it. Right. We say to our church, well, I'd like to do some benevolent work. Okay, well, here's a committee and and we'll be working with some things, and we'll let you know when. Whereas this is something you can get up one morning and start and initiate and uh, just start working for it. I think uh, I don't know what the outcome will be. Right. Um, we're praying that it's uh, something that will long-term have some effect. When we had her, we would um, – you know, tuck her in at night and have our prayer and so forth. And um, so she had that, and she wouldn't have in a, her other situation. Right, right. So that's really um, the thing to do is to set a plan and that fits. It has to fit you first. Right, right. <laughs> and then you think about, well, how do we implement that plan? Who do we contact, and how can we get it rolling? Yeah, and I, and I love that you, you kind of looked at your own – life and then built around that not only the sort of the time and the financial you know obligations that it would take but but also that you you said specifically that you wanted um a, a family with a child around your grandson's age and that that makes me think that that sort of it it fits a person's lifestyle a little bit better but it also is in their <laughs> ministry wheelhouse you know it it it's what they're capable of doing and and everybody sort of has a unique situation like with my my wife's family situation they experienced being in ICU and so that made them want to minister to other people that had been in ICU and so you had a 4-year-old grandson and that made you want to minister to other children that were 4 years old but especially those that came from a single mother household and so i just keep thinking that there every single family has some sort of special ability to minister to someone because of the unique experiences that they've had that they can they can minister to people in in similar types of situations and so i think it it is looking at your own life and saying you know where have i been what were some of the valleys that i went through and how can i sort of reach back and minister to other people that are going through those valleys or you know that i know the situation well because i've been there and and that's going to be different for every single family but every family has that sort of ability or something that that tugs at their heartstrings uh because of they've they've just noticed something that other people may not have noticed i think that's very true wes and i i think 
you mentioned something in that. Um, one of the reasons it was important relating to our grandchild's age, we thought, you know, what even young child wants to run around with two old people <laughs> <laughs> that are going to be doing things with them, you right. know? And so we wanted some companionship for them yeah. because we knew the situation was such that they didn't have that outside of school. Mm-hmm. And so that was the connecting thing why we chose that particular parameter so i think somebody else would choose another parameter for another reason maybe they have a teenager maybe they have uh, somebody else maybe they have uh, uh, a relative living with them that would be a certain age for companionship or something so at any rate that was part of our thing too yeah absolutely so i think um my thing is that there are ups and downs with it. Yeah. It's like any family situation. But I think when we look back, uh, we wouldn't trade it for saying we wish we'd never met mm-hmm. <laughs> this Right, group. right. It's just the converse. We're very glad that we met them and got to know them. Um, we don't know what our long-term relationship is as she gets to college and has friends and goes on with her career, but that's – well, that's determined. Yeah. That, and that's the the beautiful and the challenging part of relationships, real relationships. I mean, when you when you buy something for somebody and again, I'm not discounting that because that's a great thing to do. But you sort of know the result. You know, I'm going to spend, you know, $50 and this is going to be the result. There's going to be a kid that gets a gift. But when you build a relationship with somebody, anybody, even your next door neighbor, you don't know what the result going to be. You don't know how this is going to end. It might end in heartbreak. It really mm-hmm. might. Uh, but it might end. Uh, in in something spectacular. So, but that's the that's the challenging thing with any sort of relationship. But but that's also what faith is all about. It's that I'm trusting God that if I go about my life doing good things for His glory, that He's going to be glorified. No matter what challenges that we're faced with, He's going to be glorified. So that that brings up, and you may not want to share anything specific, obviously, but. Would there be, and it may not be things that you necessarily experienced that were negative, but some sort of cautions that you might you might say, hey, you know, if you're going to do something like this, you might be careful of this, or you might think about that, even if it's not a reflection on anything you experienced, but just because you've thought through these things more than most of us have. Well, the main thing we tried to do was to walk a real line. We did not want to come between the parent and the child. Mm-hmm. So we had to a lot of times think about what activity we were going to do and something else and how would that be construed by the parent, even to the extent of if we were going to a cer- certain movie, we might call them and say, is it okay for her to go to the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, or if we were doing another activity, whatever it might be, uh, you know, we would say things like, well, you know, we go to church on Sunday, so is it okay if she goes with us? And yes. So it's just that part is probably the hardest part in the process to determine when you don't want to drive a drift between you and the parent if it's dealing with a parent-child, or you don't want to drive a rift between two family members if it's a separated family. So it really does take that approach, I think, is the best thing to watch and not 
feel like you want to really take sides <laughs> if disagreements come up in other family, the, the, their larger family issues. Yeah. And say, you know, that's a family issue. We don't want to get involved with the family. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of saying things, whatever that is, of just having those sort of boundaries and to be able to say that we don't want to we don't want to do that and then that's okay to be able to say hey we want a relationship with you and we love you and we want there are some things we want to do and there's other things we we can't do and that's true in any relationship with any friendship or any you know family relationship for that matter that there are things that we should put a boundary in place and say hey you're going to have to work that one out on your own i can't i can't get involved in that one and i think the other issue in in a case like that like ours, and you can draw your own comparisons to another situation, but uh, we also did things for the mother. In other words, it could have been that we always did things for the child, and how would the mother feel if she's neglected? You know, you never ask her to go. You just Mm -hmm. say, hey, can your daughter go to the movie? Can she go to this? Can she go to that? We brought her this, and here's she comes home with a new dress. You know, well— how does the mother feel in that situation? Right. So it's important. And if it's not a single parent, if it's a parent and child, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You've got to bring the parents into it because you are extending the family, and therefore you need to be sure that you don't just exclude members of the family. Yeah, absolutely. So as we kind of wrap up, what what is there anything else you would you would say sort of to summarize or to – encourage those that might be thinking about doing something similar? Well, I think um, one that I go back to is um, we had a lot of experiences over the 14, well, it's going on 15 years this year, Um, 15 years. And um, in looking back, it was just like having another family member you know, to, to be there Christmas, to be there at other times of the year. And not always with our big family, but to make sure that they had that. And I think that um, the rewards far outweigh the things that you struggle through at the time. And I think kind of in summary is it, it takes a lot of prayer beforehand mm-hmm. <laughs> to say, you know, are we doing the right thing? Yeah. And then in the process, it takes a lot. And uh, sometimes you hope that the prayers that they hear when they're at the house, whether it's around the table or whatever they might be, that um, they will somehow make a significant difference later. So it's really a way to give and actually live with some of the results in contrast to giving and that's the end of it. My yeah. check was deposited. That was a good good thing to do, and it was. It wasn't that that's not to be done, but it's just a whole different experience when you can see them week after week after week and see, you know, contributions that you've made, not always monetarily, but just to be with them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anything else you wanna you wanna say or? That's good stuff, Bill. No, I think we pretty well covered it. Um, I think, uh, again, I'd encourage people to 
not look at our event, but to think and at this point, at the end of this, just to say, you know, what if I took five minutes and just thought about some things we might do and then discuss them? That's the starting point. I hope you found that conversation as encouraging as I did. If you haven't done so already, please make sure you subscribe to the Crosstalk Podcast so you don't miss the next episode. And it would really help others discover this podcast if you'd leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcast. As always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.